Unburdened. Welcome to Unburdened. My name is Rashani. And as always, I am joined by Corvin and Gerald. Uh, Unburdened is a show uh, about or by three black men uh, discussing the struggles and, and, and issues that they meet with mental health. And also, as an aside, but as important, the things that they have uh, encountered in their lives, in our lives, uh, that have shaped us uh, to be who we are. Uh, toxic masculinity, uh, misogyny, um, homophobia, hatred, self-hatred. Uh, and we bring that to the table every Sunday and unburden ourselves of it. Um, we are always open to uh, comments and communicate with uh, listeners Uh our voicemail number is 916-572-9016. Uh, you can email us at blackinunburdened at gmail.com. Uh, and we're available on Twitter at unburdenedpod. Uh, with all that said, um, Corbin, you uh, got back here at the literal nick of time. How's your day going? Well, um, yeah, my day is going pretty well. I had to work today. Um, unfortunately, that was the the whole gist of it. And, uh, I did everything I could to get out of it because I hate working on Sundays and we're closed and I ended up, uh, having to go anyway. So my day is okay. My tomorrow is the more important day. What's your job interview? Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm uh, creeping out on a long lunch on lunch. How are you feeling about it? Um, it's a Euro company, so I'm kind of scared to death. They don't really value what we value. Okay. This so, is like the last step of the interview process. So I've been doing this for about a month. Okay. And I had to write an essay, three-page essay on why I want the job first. Man. Um, and why I'd be good for the job. So, see, it's, it's a Euro thing. It's I've never done anything like this. Now, I could do it, but just to apply, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, it's, it's different. So, I have to ask, is it just me who feels like uh, the whole process of applying for a job is way harder than the job itself? <laughs> um, yes. Yes. To me, applying for a job and and going to an interview always feels like studying for a test where you don't even know the subject. You don't know what the questions are going to be. And you're always scared. Like my. My anxiety pops up at interviews, um, which and, and, and it manifests in a way that causes me to talk too much, uh, like instead of me just answering the question that they ask, I will answer the question they ask and then talk for another five to 10 minutes on just a subject and see their eyes glaze over, but I can't make myself stop. Um, my heart starts beating really fast at interviews and I hate the idea of having to prove myself to someone else. Um, when I already feel like I, I may not be worth the position in the first place. Gerald, you're the uh you're the king of uh buy black, uh and 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 one of the most business savvy people I know. Uh have you ever had any trepidation or or anxiety or anything when it comes to interviewing? So speaking of on Thursday I had a job interview. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is, uh, uh, I know what this show is going to be about today. <laughs> How'd that go for um, you? You know, actually, it felt like it went great. It was a different experience from what Corbin did. And it also 
um, as you were talking, I was thinking, I was like, there are techniques to preparing for job interviews that typically work with American companies. I don't know nothing about these three and four page essays and everything, but um, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it was that was a little different. But I, I know I used to feel that way when it comes to doing a job interview back, you know, uh, before I started doing all the, the, the studying into. Well, I, I'm in talent development, which is kind of it's the training side of, of HR. So I know I, I understand what people are looking for when they're trying to fill a position, trying to fill a job. And I now look at it as people looking for resources to fulfill a need. And it makes it not personal to me anymore because now I just I try to figure out, okay, what is the need that they're trying to fill and how am I the best resource to fill that need and how do I present that? And then I also do a little bit of um, I do my own research to try to figure out well, what other things do I know that I can do that they might need that they not even might not even be thinking about. And I try to come prepared to interview the interviewer. Um, and that releases a lot of anxiety for me because I feel like. You know, every job is a transaction. It really is. They are they are purchasing your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and your skills in exchange for money. And so if I figure out if I can understand what the job rec is and I can read that job rec because that tells you exactly the knowledge, skills and uh, abilities that they're looking for. And then I can go and do research and figure out, OK, well, comparably in this area um, where I live, what are other people getting paid with these knowledge, skills and abilities to do this similar type of job? So that gives me an idea of what they're probably thinking about with salary. Like I just I research the whole thing so that when I go to the interview, I feel like I'm prepared to answer whatever questions they have. And then there's always a point where they say, well, do you have any questions for me? And most of us are like, mm-hmm. no, I don't have any questions. And I'm no, like, I always have questions. <laughs> yeah, like I'm a- actually and I just start <laughs> going down my list. And I start interviewing them. And um, to me, especially once you get further along in your career, right, it's rarely ever a one time process. And so it's like, all right, we had the the first date and you got the information about me and I got the information about you. We got to go back and think about whether we want a second date. Right. And when we come the next time, both of us are better prepared to kind of get closer to figuring out whether we're going to have a relationship. So. I take all the emotion out of it and I turn it into a, a process of trying to figure out how how do we figure out whether this is a good fit for each other. And we need to be looking at this both from the same side. I'm not coming asking you for a job. We are trying to figure out whether I'm a good fit for you and you're a good fit for me. And that turns it a lot more into something that I can I can think through. It no longer becomes a situation where I'm proving myself. And I don't know how to if I'm explaining that right, but I turn it into a process. You turn it into a mutually uh, a mutually inquisitive process for for both sides instead of just them doing an inquisition on you, which gives you a a bit of power in this situation. You're not just taking, you're also, you're not taking all their questions in. You're giving some back. Plus, you know what you need to know in order to uh, handle any questions they may throw at you. Yeah, absolutely. And, see, and, and then, I'm sorry, I know that go American ahead. companies. Uh, I feel just like you, Gerald, with American. Now, this Euro stuff, this is my first <laughs> time. I'm like, I got to write a cover letter, right? He's like, yeah, it needs to be. Three to five pages. I'm like, that's not a cover pages. letter. No, cover letter is a cover, a cover letter, one page. One page. <laughs> and so these people, they're more worried. I've researched the company, and they're more into fit with the company more so than your actual skill level, mm-hmm. which is real weird. Well, I understand it, but normally it's, we'll make you fit. Can you do the job? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing, and so that's that's where I'm at. That's why I'm, I'm more into Rashani's 
neck of the woods now. So I'm very anxious about this because I have no clue what to expect. Are they going to ask the normal job questions? Are they going to, you know, I can answer all those now. Are they, you know, or is this going to be a complete this puzzle in 30 seconds hmm. uh, type <laughs> thing? Or, I, don't, I don't know what to expect. I really don't. I have no clue. And yeah. the thing that I've experienced with job interviews is working for the state. Um, a lot of times, even though they say that they're not supposed to do it, there's a lot of nepotism. Uh, there's a lot of favoritism. Um, and so you will come into a job interview that they've already pretty much, it's like the Rooney rule. They already know that they have somebody that they want to hire for this position, but they have to go through the steps of checking in on everybody else. Um, and so you go into a job that you've researched, but at the same time, you've never actually done in some situations and they're asking you, Hey, um, if you have these module, um, yeah, go for it. it Okie dokie. Um, <laughs> if you have these modules that are in this room, how would you place them for optimum level and, and lowest cost? And and what uh, system would you utilize in order to ensure that you are uh, getting the best product for your profit? But they don't give you any sheet with like the companies on there. So if you're already in this office, you're already in this department then you know what they're talking about but i'm an accountant and i'm coming over to to you know space management because i want to promote um and i know i should know things i know things about the company overall but i've never actually had hands-on experience so i'm just looking at this like uh and they're like write out a two-page paper stating how you would make sure to get the lowest cost and the best efficiency and all that kind of stuff and i type out what i think is right and then it turns out that it wasn't even on the close to the same page they were looking at so for that's why i say for me doing an interview especially working for the state or working for some place where uh nepotism or favoritism may already be in place is a lot like taking a test where you didn't get a study guide and you didn't mm -hmm. get the questions i went to a, a interview once where um the first question that was asked of me and i and i was so i was instantly comfortable i felt like they did it to make me comfortable anxiety was gone the first question they asked me was who's your favorite superhero and why black panther and so <laughs> i talked about black panther for a good five minutes you know about why and this is before black panther came out anything like that i don't even think these people had heard of black panther back then they thought i was gonna say superman or something i was like black panther and here's why um and that instantly got me at ease. The The job was a social media position uh, for the Department of Motor Vehicles uh, in my area. And I was at ease. I, I know social media. So I'm like, I can do Twitter. I can I can take these steps to help this company. Like, I was like, hey, why don't we set up a thing where they can do a, where customers every week we do a Google Hangout with customers and they write in and ask us questions. They ask us how to process stuff and we can have somebody on there who's answering questions with them. That would help our appearance in the community. I told them all this stuff that I laid out about how to be successful and they told me that they were going to make a decision in about five days. So they called me. The manager actually, they usually after an interview, they never call you. You never know if you don't get the job unless you never get a, unless they just don't talk to you anymore. But the manager called me and I was so excited when I saw the number and saw the name on the call. And he was like, hey, Rashani, uh, this is so-and-so. I just wanted to take time out to call you personally. And I was like, ooh, yes. He was like, I wanted to call you personally to tell you you didn't get the job. Wow. And I'm like, why'd you call me personally to tell me this? And he was like, well, we just felt like you were too confident. What? Right. And see, I guard against that, too, because I've been the interviewer, and that was one of my things to look for, the overconfident person. Mm -hmm. And so when I was working for um, a very big company, that was something that automatically excluded you, is your overconfidence. They wanted you to be meek and humble enough, but not to big-headed and if you started talking about credentials immediately i've done this i have a phd from harvard i have 
all these things, and it's like, uh, yeah, we don't need you. Sorry. I played Hamlet at Cambridge. <laughs> but you know, so the issue with that though, and that so that's the thing that bothers me from the talent development perspective. The reason companies do that is because if you value yourself too much, that means they're going to have to actually pay you your value if they hire you. Mm. That's the reason that you get excluded. It's not because you wouldn't be a good fit. It's because they're looking for somebody who doesn't recognize their own value. I can underpay you for a higher level of performance. It's just a transaction to them. And so if you know your own value, that means I'm going to have to pay you that value. And I'm looking for somebody who can give me the value you can but doesn't realize it because I can pay them twenty or $30,000 less and they'll thank me for it. It's a transaction. Never looked at it that way. Uh, and this uh, is what I do. <laughs> I've walked up to that manager and I was like, explain to me how I was too confident. And he was like, well, you just, you looked like, and this is a direct quote. I will not say his name. I'm just going to say it sounds a lot like mine, except with a different last name. Um, it was like you sounded like you wanted to be a manager next week. That was his whole reason. You sounded like you wanted to be a manager. Well, when you asked me what my plans are in the future, I literally pointed at you and said, I want your job. So I know social media. I know what I'm doing. I know I'm worth it. And my ideas, they took my ideas and utilized them and won awards with them. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, and then there was, there was a white uh, gentleman in there. There was a black gentleman. And then there was an Asian gentleman and the black gentleman. I went and talked with him as well. Cause I was like, wait, if there's three of y'all, then all three of you score me and grade me on my, on my answers and everything. And he was like, look, man, I was right there with you until you started talking about Black Panther. And then you got all excited and you started talking about check it out and all that kind of stuff. And we don't need people talking like that. And I was like, but if you want somebody doing your social media, you want somebody who can actually reach your public, your community in a way that's going to make them comfortable. So is that really the answer? He was like, yeah, you were just a little bit too excited about that part. And you just seemed like you were overreaching a bit. So... After that, I stopped going on interviews. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that stinks, man. I So I've had a couple of experiences a long time ago that it's just weird. So like when I was maybe 21 or just, yeah, I was 21, 22. I was 20-something, and I went to get a job at a, at a car dealership and went through their whole interview process, and they had a thing where – like they had a sheet that you fill out and it was just, you know, some of the questions were whatever. One of the questions was, if you can go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Um, and I had just come back home from, from Iraq and I put Iraq because I definitely would have wanted to go back at that point. And um, and they hired me because they said this this guy is he's not your typical guy. Right. We, we want him here. He's different. Um I think it was either before that or after that. It was sometime after that, I think, that I was trying to get a job at a furniture store. And I went on a job interview. I've been in retail sales forever. I knew everything about selling. And I could have done a really good job at this store. I went on one interview. And I came back for a second interview. And the manager said, you know, you sounded like you really enjoyed being a Marine. Maybe you should go back and do that this isn't the right place for you. And I'm like, um, I shouldn't enjoy that part of my life. I shouldn't have enjoyed, you know, being in the military, leading people. Uh, do it. Anyway, it's just, you never know. You never know where the, you know, one, one place you go and they say, oh, wow, he's got this background. I want somebody who's done that before. And then you go another place and, and, and it's just a personal preference thing. It's whoever happens to be sitting in that seat, either, they don't want the experience you have or they, you know, they already decided they didn't want you. So any excuse is good enough. Mm-hmm. And- I That's what I'm worried about, because I don't know if they have guidelines. Like when I was interviewing, I put myself in the interviewer spot 
I'm being interviewed by two guys at one o'clock tomorrow. So I'm probably going to reach out to y'all about 1230. <laughs> Just, you know, send up some good juju. But if they have a checklist that, you know, they have to hit and have to score, I feel a lot better about it. I don't know it personally. Um, of course, I'll see it if they have a piece of paper in their hand and they got to, you know, write down notes and stuff. But if they're just flying off the cuff, you know, then it's a personal preference thing. It's not necessarily a, okay, this guy scored pretty well. This is the person we want. Or versus, I don't like the shirt he had on. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. And and I've, I've done both. And I prefer the checklist because it takes my personal feelings out of it. Exactly. Versus... Me saying, okay, well, Rashani, you showed up in a red shirt. Man, I don't like that color. Um, so, eh, not going to do this. You know, you don't get the job. So, I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that I'm really stressing. Because I really want this job. Um, mm-hmm. But I am stressing because I have no idea. The process thus far has been so different from anything I've ever done in my life. I could cruise through any interview you know, I go into XYZ store, they want me to interview. I can, you know, go through it no problem because I've been both sides. I've done the interviewing and I've been the interview E. Now, this whole process, I have no, I've done a phone interview last week with the higher ups, which is completely backwards from what I'm used to. Normally, you go through the little guy, the local man, then they send you to the higher up. I did the higher up over, she's in Nottingham, England. Mm-hmm. Uh, I interviewed with her. She's like two steps above these guys. I'm interviewing with, and she loved me, which I'm glad she told me at the end of the phone call. Because if she said we'll call you back in about a week and let you know, I'd have freaked out because mm-hmm. I've never done that. So I'm interviewing with these guys, wondering what she's told them, or is this a formality, or if they say, eh, didn't like the guy, here too long. You know, something like that. I, I don't. I don't know. I have no idea what to expect from this. Yeah, it is stressful. It, it it's the waiting is just. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I uh, I avoid all forms of stress and drama in, in my life. I just I prefer peace. Um, but that process, that that point in between when you get done with an interview. And you're just waiting to hear something. It's like anxiety. It's the it is it is so much anxiety, and you go through fifty different scenarios in your head, and you're super up one minute because you know you nailed it in this thing, and then you think about some one sentence that you said, and I'm like, mm, I don't know how they might have taken that one. Mm-hmm. That might have ruined all of it. And then you come back and you think, oh, but no, I've got these great references and there's really nobody else in the industry who can do what I do. And then it's like, oh, but I might have been overconfident and they're not looking for that. So, man, it, it, it doesn't stop until you either get that call or, you know, or you don't. And that's so... It Even when you know that the job is right for you, it's just stressful and then it what if right Mm -hmm. what if you have the perfect job with the perfect company for you you know you're the perfect fit and they say no what i when i got to the job that i'm currently at which i i love it i love the hours i love i mean almost everything about it um the first thing that i had to do and I think my boss thought that I was joking initially was I sat down with my boss and I was like, my one request, I am a really easygoing person. I love what I do. You know, I, I love the support that I'm getting and everything. My one request, and this is non-negotiable for me. If you say we need to have a meeting or we need to talk, you need to tell me out the gate if it's good or bad. You need to tell me what it's about. You need to tell me what the meeting is for. You need to tell me if I need to get a union steward. You need to tell me something. Because to walk past me and say, hey, can you come to my office for a moment? My heart immediately drops. And it's not a healthy feeling for me. And to his credit, 
my boss looked at me and said, I completely understand. And it turns out that a lot of people feel this same way. Like they don't want to have that bomb dropped on them, whether it's during an interview process, waiting for that callback or wondering if you did something wrong during a meeting or anything like that. Um, or if it's just, um, gosh, what was the other thing that happened? Just sending out an email to somebody and then you're like, well, did that get misconstrued? Did that get read improperly or something like that? And I never really thought about how many people may deal with that sort of anxiety at their job because a lot of people want to just get in and get out. We want to just keep our heads low and not really talk to people about our feelings. And so in office spaces, there's quite often just a whole lot of pots that are right at the brink of boiling over because of so much stuff that's happening to everybody separately. And then what happens is that like one or two pots will boil over and they'll splash off on like the two people sitting next to that pot or two pots next to that pot. And then it just turns into a whole mess. So I just, just thinking about being told I need to talk to you or we need to talk or we need to, we have a meeting or, Hey, the managers are in the office waiting for you. It made my heart start beating just thinking about it. And I have not had to interview for a new job in five years. So that experience has faded away. But when you said waiting, like, what if I, what did I do this correctly? Did I do this correctly? That immediately made me think about what I feel when I'm like, okay, they tell me it nine o'clock that we're going to have a meeting. We need to talk. I've set it on my calendar for two o'clock in the afternoon. That gives me like five hours <laughs> to think to about jump out the window. Exactly. Except I want a ground floor to think about everything that I may have done incorrectly. And by the time we get in there, I'm almost on hands and knees. Like I need this job. And they're like, we just wanted to commend you on, you know, the, letter that you sent out to to the corporate manager last week it was really well done oh 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 well uh yeah yeah huh huh so in order that could have been an email it could have (laughs) but i feel like a lot of how many meetings that could be an email but i feel like people have people who go through traumatic situations or have that anxiety forget how it feels to be in that situation when they're in the place of power and so they will do it to you just as a let watch watch me make this person squirm. And they don't even mean it like that. Like they don't mean it uh vindictively or 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 viciously or anything like that. It's just it's what they've been taught. And it's something else that just goes down the line of my manager did this, so I'm doing it this way. Yeah. Ugh. And this is the one thing that I'm I'm most fearful of. Okay, she told me that basically I, I passed that level of interviewing last week and that she was forwarding my information on to the local guys. My question now is, do the local guys do that at the end of my video as well and say, okay, well, you got the job, come back Monday or here, fill all this paperwork out, bring it back, or do they say, well, we'll call you? Um, <laughs> that's just... That's the part I'm going to be the most worried about is the end when they're like, oh, hey, I just want to let you know you did get the job, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we'll fill out this stuff and you're good to go. And it's or a, I'll call you in a week. It's as simple as them giving you the time frame when they start the initial interview. Like this is the process. This is what we're doing right now. We're going to do the interview with the higher up, the, the head muckety muck in, in England. And then after that, if she likes you, then somebody else is going to contact you. And at the end of that interview, we're going to let you know if you have the job or not. Um, or we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and then we are, we're going to have a walkthrough with you so you can see the office, and then we're going to make an offer to you. But this second interview and third thing is pretty much a formality. And that way you can breathe easier knowing, okay, I've already jump the highest hurdle that I have to jump in this path instead of, oh, wait, uh, that third interview was way more important than the other two because the secretary, you know, you need to treat the secretary the same way that you treat the upper management here. And so that was a test and you didn't say hi back when he said hi to you. So we don't want you. And it's like, oh, okay. And so (laughs) something like that probably would be, potentially accurate when you're dealing with like a European company too, because like you were saying, Corbin, it is very much more about culture. 
um, do we want to work with you? Right. Can That's really. Uh, Americans are so very much like get the job done, get the job done, get the job done, get the job done. Are you the best person in the job? Get the job done. Do you got the skills? And one, the European lifestyle is just not that get up and go. It, it's it's very much more about the um, uh, the propriety of things. Right. You you uh, do you show up empty handed to an event um no, you better not, right? And mm-hmm. do you immediately start talking about business when you get there? No, don't do that. You you definitely want to make sure you greet everybody. You talk about like the family and and whatever. There's going to be a little bit of a hey, let's let's interact with each other as humans before we get down to business. And it's really off-putting the American way of doing things of I don't care about you or anything about you. Just let's get down to business. And it is weird for us, right? The first time interacting with a different culture like that. But it's very likely that the reason it starts at the top is just like, hey, can this person do the job? Maybe, right? But now let's get to the important part. Will you want to work with this person? Because those recommendations are probably going to be more important than are you capable of doing the job to them? So it's just, it's a, it's a culture thing. Um, the, the interview that I did, I mean, it's a small company. When I got done, the last thing that was said was, hey, so it's basically me and then the CEO. So it's not really a very long process. We'll be talking to you soon. And that's all I got. So I don't know if that means, you know, CEO will call me back and say, no, thank you. Or I, I don't know. I don't know what that means. It's very ambiguous, but it's a, it's the culture of the company. Right. The culture is is huge. If you have a huge company and it's an international company, the way that they go through the process is going to be different from if it's a, you know, a government entity versus a small company. And like preparing for all that stuff is something you can do, but it does not take away the anxiety right there in that little sweet spot. Like. The the right after the interview, all the way up until either you get a call or you just decide, oh, it's been long enough now. They're just not going to say anything to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, that I don't experience a lot of anxiety in my life, but this is one of those type things that does it to me. And you just kind of, I don't know, how do y'all handle it? How do you handle it when you're stuck in a place where you can't do anything. It's it's the powerlessness of it. That's really what it is, is not having any power in that window. You just have to wait for somebody else to do something. I don't handle that well. See, the, the beauty of being a basketball coach and mentor and all this other stuff that I've heaped on my shoulders is so that I never have a dead moment to really sit back and feel that anxiety. When I'm alone is when I start to feel that anxiety, when I start to worry about things that I shouldn't worry about. So I just try and stay busy. I try and stay ahead of myself. Honestly, I'm like racing, but that's not healthy because you're going to burn out. And when you burn out, you stop running and everything crashes right into your back and you fly forward. Um, one thing that my mom did tell me, um, because she's, uh, she was, she's actually, uh, this sounds, it doesn't sound strange cause it's her job. She's a life coach. Uh, she's a life coach and she's, uh, helps out with, uh, new managers and things of that nature. And the one thing that she told me to do that really helped me out, was write down your plan, write down what you're going through, write down what you're looking for, write down how long you're willing to wait before you call them back and then stick to it. If you start to worry on day two, but you wrote that you were going to let them, you're going to give them four days to make this decision. You gave yourself that space of time. Like, okay, I know that this is going to happen. I need to do this. I need to do that. And then on the fifth day, make that call. But it doesn't always work. Anxiety is a wild boy. <laughs> and yeah, um, I'm going to give him till Friday. Because um, my interview is Monday at 1 p.m. I'll give him till Friday about 1.30. Um, 
um, to give me some sort of answer. Um, I'm a lot like you, Gerald. I just want to know. I, I mean, I'll get to a point to where I care a lot. Of, like I said, the first day after the interview, I'm, I'm doing second guessing. I'm just hyper focused on it. I am obsessing about it. And then probably another day after that, I'm just like, you know what? Whatever. Whatever happens, happens. And I just go on because I can't let it get that far. You know, I just shut it off. It's whatever. So then when they call, and of course, this guy that's calling me is very monotone. He's not a very excitable person. So you can't tell by the tone of his voice if, if you made it to the next level or if you haven't. And this is like a, a tabletop gaming company. So I feel like I've beat the level, but the princess is not there. Uh, and that's just driving me crazy. He's like, hey, do you have a second you can talk? Okay, great. I just wanted to let you know that you made it through to the next level. I'll be sending you an email with blah, blah, blah. blah. And that's, from what I understand, that is his tone of voice all the time. He sounds like Hannibal Lecter to me. Wow. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to tell anything from this cat, so just give it up. So, I mean, I'll let you guys know this week, I assume, <laughs> yes or no. Yeah, hopefully I'll be able to let you guys know something this week, too. But my, I, I, don't, I don't set a day time to let – is I wait. Um, the, the type – I don't – I haven't interviewed for a job in eight years um, and I don't, I don't really, there's a very specific thing that I, I'm looking for in a job, um, culture, the company, the position. And so for me, I feel like it should take some time to figure out whether or not I'm the right person. And so I'm, I, I just kind of sweat out the time, but I'm hoping that because he said it's not a very long process, that I'll have some kind of news for y'all next week, too. I just want both y'all to be, um, of course, successful uh, in your job search. I hope that this is like what y'all are both. I hope y'all get what y'all are looking for. Um, more than that, though, I'm hoping that y'all are able to uh, hear back from them soon because... That waiting game is, I don't wish that on anybody. Well, I say that all the time. Oh, my goodness. I say I, I, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Yes, I would. Yes, my worst would. enemy deserves <laughs> everything. But um, I, I, I'm just, I'm hopeful that y'all get quick resolutions and that they're both good news. Um, That's all. Like, I just want y'all to be happy. I just want everything to be good. And I want it to be with as little anxiety as possible because, uh, Gerald, you said you don't experience anxiety too much. You like peace and 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 lack of drama, but this is causing anxiety. I don't want you to get used to this. I don't want you to have to live in this at all. Trust me, anxiety and me are uh, roommates that hate one another. So, um, you know, I I I, I don't know. I can't say hopes. I can't say thoughts and prayers. I can't say I'm praying for y'all. No, you, you can't say thoughts and prayers because I already know what that means now. Right? Right? Yeah, I know what that means too. I'm just saying, I just want the best for y'all. Period. That's it. That's really it. Um, dang, I can't even tie that into and that's how you get unburdened. I was waiting on it. I can't. So, hey, but yo, so, I can because once you know how your job interviews went and if you got the job or not, that's how you get unburdened. I can always do it. It just doesn't fit the motif. <laughs> um, so just a real quick, this has um very little to do with everything, right? But I was thinking about the, the anxiety of not knowing, being powerless, and having silence, and that immediately took me back to episodes seven and eight of uh, Insecure, mm-hmm. um, and and ghosting people, mm-hmm. and the it's the same thing, right? Like describe this whole thing about trying to find a job, like a relationship. You're going through the process of building a relationship with somebody, and then suddenly they just disappear like that's probably one of the most cruel things you can do to a person yes yep 
And by and large, I find that ghosting is something that guys tend to think of as a joke unless it happens to them, at which point it's just like the worst thing in the world. But it's like, oh, yeah, I camped her. I, I left her in the dust, you know, whatever, whatever. Oh, don't. And, and I mean, we are, I was rather, taught at a very young age that when you are able to talk with somebody and form that connection to the point where you're able to get a telephone number or get to that next step. You're supposed to mini ghost them before you even contact them. Like you're supposed to wait like seven or eight days before you call somebody. So then they think that you forgot about them. And it's just like all these things that we've been taught as ways to emotional and psychological manipulation to try it is a part of what we are taught exactly in order to try to take power in a potential relationship from the beginning exactly (laughs) and it's 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 wild to me now thinking about the things that i was taught but when i was growing up and learning them and just as an aside my uh parents didn't teach me any of this stuff i never asked my parents about relationships because my parents didn't want to talk about relationships so Everything I learned, I learned from the homies on the block, the OGs, the the baby OGs, my brother who was like three years older than me and really didn't know either. And they were all way too happy to give me horrible advice. Like you have to, it's a game. You know, this whole thing is a game. You got to, you got to try and get as many numbers as you can. And then once you get the numbers, you pick and choose who you want to contact. So there's in that right there, we would go and try and collect numbers at the mall or whatever it may be. And then we would never call people, which is in effect immediately ghosting somebody. Somebody's like, Hey, let me trust you with this. And you're like, you're not worthy of my time, which is messed up. Um, insecure this season was really dynamic to me in the idea of the ghosting, but also in the idea of the reason behind the ghosting. Um, there was a, part in the finale uh where the gentleman who had ghosted uh Issa the 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 lady in in question showed back up and was like uh here's why I did it um and the reason why he did it was because of I took it as uh depression and mm-hmm. and and anxiety and and what he had to do in order to heal himself and so I felt that on both sides because I've been guilty of doing both things. Like when I when 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 I am in a hole, when I'm in darkness, when I'm feeling low, I don't reach out to people. I will just sit by myself in the darkness or try and turn on my happy light until something changes. And then after it changes, I come back out like, hey, everybody, I'm OK now. Hey, hey, let's just keep going with this relationship where it was right before I left. Like nothing changed because I'm OK now. I'm better now. And I felt like. Um, she, Issa really, uh, she really showed that, that, that feeling like perfectly, like on both sides where one person's like, you left and the other person's like, yeah, but I'm back now. You know what other, um, show, what other movie I watched recently that did the same thing was, um, to a lesser extent, Roll Bounce. And I think about that because it was, it was kids doing it where Megan Good and Bow Wow have been, uh, Megan Good have been pursuing Bow Wow. Like, I still like you. I want to date. Let's go out to the movies or whatever. And Bow Wow was in, was going through depression because of his mother, his mother Mm -hmm. passing. And so every time he tried, she tried to talk to him, he would push her away until at one point where he finally had his, uh, breakthrough meeting with his dad. And they talked about his mom and all that kind of stuff. And his dad was like, I love you. And the, the sunshine came out, everything cleared away. And Bow Wow was like, I'm ready now. I'm ready now. I'll take you out. I'm ready now. And she was like, you're ready. Like, I'm not like you treating me like garbage. And so it's always in the back of my mind. Like at some point when I'm in darkness, the sunshine is going to come back out. The clouds are going to move away. The sun is going to come back out. But there's another side to that sunshine where you have to worry about fixing what you broke while you were depressed, while you were in a hole. And it's real. And it's scary. And sometimes you lose relationships and they'll never be the way or they'll never be the way they were before. And it happens every year. It's like a cycle. 
Yeah, you said you said last week. You know, winter is coming. So uh, it's snowing here. I'm sorry, I can't even get eggnog out here. Yeah, just just throwing that out there. But yeah, it is. It's all like, and so yesterday was like 65 degrees, sunny. Uh, I didn't understand why everybody was mowing their lawns. I guess they looked at the Weather Channel and I didn't. But it was an immediate change today for me. Like, just seeing the the ground is wet and it's muddy. There's there's snow all over everything. Everything is just wet and dreary. The The leaves haven't even turned colors yet, and it's already snowing here. So the snow is weighing down the trees. They're falling over like it's just everything immediately went from bright sunny new you know growing to there's like a literal just a slumping like a willow of all of the trees and everything that's green outside it all just looks super sad Mm -hmm. and looking at it immediately i felt my mood go oh my god and we get six and a half months of this and I've never, until, you know, we've recently started talking, I've never noticed how the seasons affect my mood. But to what you were talking about is, okay, it's one thing to become aware of how these things affect your mood and the way it's going to change your attitude and the way you interact with people. But we a lot of times tend to just stop there and not throughout the process recognize how we are affecting the other people and how much time we're affecting them in that way and what space they'll likely be in when we come out of it and we're ready to engage. And I think that is a really valuable thing because there's no way we're going to change the way that we're affected by changes in season or uh, anxiety or depression or whatever it is. But if we can at least be cognizant as it's going on of right now my behavior is affecting xyz person in this way Mm -hmm. and there's nothing i really know to do about it right now but i recognize that when i'm ready they may not be so let me start sowing those positive seeds i think that's that's not too much to ask one thing that i have to say about that is i think everybody who has depression is well aware of the relationships that they're altering while they have that depression going on. Okay. It's just that we don't have the energy to change it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's like, okay, um, this person, I could have handled that a lot better. Maybe tomorrow I'll be ready. It's like you were saying about how yesterday it was sunny and today it's just dreary. Like one day, it's going to be sunny again and you're going to be like, okay, now let me go out here and start fixing all these relationships that I know I messed up that I know I may have altered. But as soon as you start walking outside, it starts snowing again immediately, like immediately, like not even like a few snowflakes. It's like a blizzard dumps Mm. on your head and it's like, oh, dang it. All right, let me go back in. And then the next day it's sunny again. You're like, whoa, that's crazy. You know, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do this. And boom, snow on your head again. And so every time that you want to go out and do maintenance on these relationships, you don't have the energy. You don't have the... the... Your mind, my mind at least, is well aware of the mistakes that I am making while I'm depressed because it keeps a running tally and tells me about it. Mm. Like every night like it's like my phone says you slept this many hours my mind is like you made this many mistakes <laughs> oh wow so, um it's like can i mute this for just a second can i mute you so i can try and heal myself and then once i unmute it 16 notifications pop up you hurt this person you hurt this person you hurt wow. this person again you went back and doubled down on this person this person came to see you and you wouldn't come out of your room this person wanted to talk to you and you walked right past them this person's going through the same thing you're going through and you completely ignored them because you didn't have the time or the energy to interact with them so now they're in a hole and so you get all these notifications you're like i can fix this i can fix this i can fix this i can fix this and 
you can't. You can't save everything. You can't change everything. And it it's like, for me, it's like, okay, which one of these is the most important thing for me right now? Which one of these relationships do I need to save right now? And which ones do I think I can just let drift a little bit and maybe resolve them later on? And the ones you let drift, they get more and more frayed because you're not doing patchwork on them. You're not repairing them until finally when you are able to really just go out and, and you get to them, they're like, I don't, why are you here? Like, I have nothing for you. And you know you had the opportunities to fix them, but some uh, a friend of mine uh, said that it was like, uh, being low on spoons. Like you have all of these different bowls that you want to, uh, serve out of, but you only have a certain amount of spoons. And so when you give out, when you put all these spoons into these different bowls, you can't just mix like the green beans with the ice cream. So all of a sudden the ice cream is getting untouched, but it's still sitting out. And this may be a completely different deviation from what they were actually saying to me. This is how I took it. By the way, I want to make that completely clear since we're live right now. Um, so the ice cream is just sitting there with nothing there to uh, take care of. You're all out of spoons. You can't get to it right now. But when you get a chance to get to it, you definitely will. But by the time you get to it, the ice cream may be melted. It may be ruined. Uh, it's not the ice cream's fault that you didn't have enough spoons. And it's not really your fault that you didn't have enough spoons because you just grabbed into the drawer. You didn't know how many spoons you had that day. And so the next day you try and get more spoons. But there's always more containers than there are spoons. And something always gets left out to rot or melt. And that's how my relationships go. Mm. And my mind is literally telling me right now, you ruined that whole analogy. <laughs> you did? Well, I, it makes sense to me. I got I it. Let's see what Cor- Corbin's got. No, I didn't say I got it. I got the whole thing. I understood it. I don't know what the original was, but I got what you said. I know what you yeah. mean. How do you feel, Corbin? Um, I just, I feel similar to what you, I feel like I'm a cross between you and Gerald so many times. It's because I have, I guess if you divide it up into a percentage out of 100% of my time, 65% of the time I feel like Rashani and 35% of the time I feel like Gerald. Um, and So I can understand what both of you are saying. Um, I do have those things that I feel like I know I need to make better. I need to make right. Um, And like you said, I just I'm too tired. Like here lately, I've just been worn out. And I feel like it's the stresses of the job I have now. Plus the added pressure I put on myself about this new situation that could happen and then on top of everything else. So I feel like I'm I'm burning the candle at both ends and the middle. And so I just want to take a day. Like after I leave this interview tomorrow, I'm just going to come home and sleep. I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hopefully that's enough time for me to uh, recuperate. And then Tuesday I can hit the ground running and do all this over again in about a month. <laughs> that's I, I just, I am so worn out that I, I wake up tired. And I know it's not nutrition or anything like that. I'm just really pushing myself. And it's like uh, one of my old professors told me, you can withstand being physically tired for a very long time. You can't withstand being mentally tired for very long at all. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm at that stage where I'm just trying to make it mentally through. So, to that end, there are relationships I need to work on. I'm really not doing that now. And I know it. So, you know, when I, when I am ready, will it be accepting? Maybe, maybe not. And I just feel like I'm rolling the dice on that. But I got to figure out, you know, and it's, it's a season. I'm sure this time will pass. And six months from now, I look back and start laughing. Remember when we were doing all this crazy stuff? Oh, my God. Now, but right now while I'm in it, I mean, I just got to I gotta try to make it through, remember to breathe, to relax um, as much as I can, when I can. Even if it's 15, 20 minutes of just sitting still, I need to do that. It's just, and that's how I get unburdened. 
<laughs> I just I just hope that somebody who's out there listening who like a lot of people winter just sprung up on them out of nowhere I have this cartoon that I love um, actually after I get done talking right now I'm going to find it and then I'm going to put it on the share screen so y'all can see it I don't love it for it's beauty because there is none i love it for its message it's this man or this person who's sitting alone and darkness just starts to engulf them and they're like why are you here i didn't even do anything wrong and that's how i feel about depression it's like why are you here i had a great day i didn't do anything wrong i didn't why and it just overtakes me every time and so when you have friends who don't know about depression or, or, or mental health or anything like that, they will see you withdraw into yourself. And the first thing that they will ask is, why are you sad right now? Like you had a really good day yesterday. Why are you, why are you broken up about this? Why are you worried about this? And it's like, I, I, I don't know why I'm like this right now. I didn't do anything wrong. I had a good day and they don't hear you. And so that's something that always strikes me as um, just uh, it it hurts when you're like for me, when my kids are looking at me like, Dad, what's going on? And I'm like, I just can't right now. And they're like, but you were good yesterday. And I'm like, I know, but I just can't right now. And now to see my kids going through it, it's just as just heartbreaking to see them going through it i don't know and i say i don't know a lot like i don't know when i really do know i just don't want to talk more about it that is my blockade if y'all hear me say i don't know trust and believe a brother knows i just don't want to go any further into what i went through or what i'm feeling at that point in time feel it well I feel like we've had two. That's how you get unburdened today. Um, yeah, because we, yeah, we, we, I, Corbin, congratulations on being in the process. We'll, we'll see how that goes for you. But I, I was definitely not expecting to hear you jump in with the exact same thing I'm going through right now. So, yeah, that was, um, that helped me get unburdened just hearing that somebody else is going through the same um, thing. And sometimes for me, that's really all it takes is knowing that if I get to a point where I just need to talk to somebody about this thing right now, there's somebody I know who's in the exact same throws at the exact same time who I can just reach out to and say, okay, like let's just be our support system right now until these calls come. Right. Um, That, that does it. That does it for me. So I, I think, you know, it's not even a, I think if you ever hear me say I think I'm going to stop and say I know because I don't think anything. Right. I know that there is a reason that we were connected to create this podcast. And every week is just another thing like, oh, I didn't even know that we could connect on that. Right. I didn't even know that we were the universe had us synced in this way right now when we needed it. But um Eternally grateful to the two of you. Obviously, eternally grateful to you, Rashani, for being the visionary that that sees a conversation, turns it into a podcast. And I'm going to constantly bring that up because it's true. Um, this is this is huge for us, and it's going to continue to be huge for a lot of people. And I'll just throw it out there for for the folks who are listening live. Rory just jumped in, and for the folks who are listening to this on the um, on the directories. Uh, go to Facebook, like the Unburdened page. We're going to be doing this live and, and join us while we're in the process of, of becoming unburdened. Join the conversation and let's just continue to move forward together because this is we all know this is something that we need. And the people who don't recognize that we need it are probably the ones who need it most. But they'll come around uh, in the meantime. You know, I don't know who said it, but I always uh I always try to live it and just work with the willing. Find the people near you and with you who want to make themselves better every day and work with the willing and the rest of the people will eventually come along. So that's all I got. Amen. (laughs) Um, Corbin, you got anything to close out with? 
No, sir. sir. I'm good. I'm good. All right. Well, then, for Corbin and Gerald, I'm Rashani. Um, I appreciate everybody who came to check us out in the uh, live stream. Uh, Guy Hyman, uh, Miss Leslie Mack, uh, Jessica Walker, and Rory. Um, I hope that y'all all got something from this because we're trying to get something from this every single time that we link up. And we want y'all along with us every step of the way, like Gerald said. Um but for everybody here, thank y'all for your time. You be good. Peace. You can follow the show at Unburdened Pod on Twitter. Voicemail is 916. 916- Five seven two nine zero one six. Email is black in unburdened at gmail.